1: Hello Hello there. Hello. We That's a little scary, isn't it? Yeah. My um, Miss Doubtfire impression. <laughs> <laughs> I well, thought, hello.
0: I thought that was your Wailing Flowers and Madam impression.
1: It could have been. It could have been. So John is still drinking wine out of the evil Tiki Head. I'm, con- I'm going to continue until uh, it breaks. <laughs>
0: or until I smash them. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of wine are we drinking today? This is great stuff. Um it is Keenan two thousand one cab from Napa Valley, twenty fifth anniversary. And uh it's quite tasty. Thank
1: you, Rich. This is my happy birthday to John wine celebration. I gave it to him as a gift and then demanded that we drink it immediately. No, it's good. Wine is, is best
0: drunk with people. Drunk people. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. Wow. No, thank you. It's a great. And it's gift. it's
1: a belated birthday gift because I know uh, I'm a little late. You did have a birthday in 2005, right? Yeah. I
0: I did. It was the sixth uh, of January, and I'm now. A... So, you
1: Well, you had one in 2006 then too. Yeah. Oh, then I'm fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm good.
0: I'm, I'm a dirty old bastard now. <laughs> <laughs> forty. I'm I'm approaching forty.
1: Oh, okay. I wasn't sure.
0: Yeah, but you're approaching it much more rapidly than I am.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm falling towards it at much greater. I'm at terminal velocity, though, so I can't fall any faster, you know?
0: You have approached the point where um, age cannot escape. I don't even know what that means. It's it's some odd age event horizon type thing. Mm. This is geek humor.
1: Hawking would have something to say about that. Yeah, I'm going to keep drinking here. Don't do that. So what I wanted to do very briefly... Let's give a shout out to our good friend, Martin. He's a southern hemispheroid, and yeah. as we've determined once before, they do have a cream for that. <laughs> and um, he actually emailed us many, many months ago. He was one of the first people to email us and give us a, a thumbs up on the show that he really liked it, and all, at least unless he was lying. And he has a cool blog. <laughs> he has a cool blog called writingsonthewall.net. And I would encourage all of you to go over there and read that because Martin's a pretty lucid thinker. And uh, he seems to be a really nice guy, and we want to drink wine with him one of these days, too. But one thing that really impressed me uh, about his blog was this cool little mission statement that he has. Yeah, his philosophy and purpose.
0: Yeah. So why don't you read a little bit of that? Yeah, if you go to his site and you um, go to the About, you'll see his philosophy and purpose. And he's got a a bunch of points. I'm not going to go through the entire thing, but there are some, some, uh, some good things in here. Number one, he says, the basis of a worthwhile existence of a life with integrity comes from living in harmony with the world. And I think that we've been pretty much saying the same thing on this show, but uh, he's a little bit more lucid about it.
1: Yeah, he uh, wrote very elegantly. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, his uh, number two statement here is, it is by living in this way that illusions, prejudices, and fears are gradually broken down and dispersed. And I think that uh, we are down with that as well.
1: Can't argue with that.
0: Yeah, and he uh, he also goes on to talk about... Um, the things that sort of rip away your, your uh, soul, and I think that uh, a lot of us have those things happening to us, you know, the demands of life and jobs and, and pressures, and uh, I think that it's a, it's a good statement, because what he's trying to do is make sure that people are living in harmony in a nonviolent way, and still uh, getting their point across, and uh, being good to each other.
1: Yeah, and talking about ripping away from your soul, I have a friend named Michael, and he's a he was a regular at the coffee shop until he moved with his wife and his daughter out to Utah or something. He's a Mr. Back to Nature type guy, so it was going to be like Washington, the Puget Sound area, it was going to huh. be Alaska. It was going to be a place where there's a lot of nature, you yeah, know. Not lots a lot of, of skyscrapers, but a lot of nature. Yeah, out west there's lots of sky. Mm, lots Montana, of yeah. big sky. Mm-hmm. And He's a very firm believer and you know his complete life's philosophy is counter to any successful persons in that lives in the west who you know most successful people are workaholics and they believe in putting in 80-hour weeks and yeah. not spending a lot of time with their family because they probably were taught that the way you show love for your family is by providing for them. So many males have learned that lesson in our culture and Michael is all about well, geez, if you make less money, buy less. And I know that sounds overly ideal and simplistic, but there's a lot of truth to that, too. That's going to
0: ruin our economy. He's
1: he's crazy. But beyond that, <laughs> I mean, the, there are these things that people buy that they don't need. They think they need them, you know, and this is no reflection on you because I know you have a cell phone, but... Um, You'd made a choice to get off the grid and and do whatever, you know, get a cell phone for communications. But I mean, you know, kids that are 12 having cell phones or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. there are people buying and spending money on a lot of things that they don't need. And it would be very easy to simplify your life. I don't mean you when I say you are, but these people could simplify their lives and literally buy so much less. And then the need for them to be at work would be less and they could spend more time with their family and not, what did he say, um... What was how did he phrase that again? Rip away your soul or whatever, you know. Well, that was
0: my paraphrase. I, oh, uh, okay, indirectly.
1: Yeah, and I just think it's a cool way to to try to live your life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The way my friend Michael is doing it, and I'm striving to to make some inroads into that into that sort of methodology as well. But anyway. yeah,
0: and and I'm I'm trying to do that as well. I mean, even though it's, you know, I'm not going to make any excuses for myself. It's a little bit tougher when you've got kids and. And uh, you want to provide for them. There's always this pressure to always provide more for the kids. And at the same time, I know intellectually, I know that the best thing for them would be to show them how to do without all the things that are necessary. That's why I went into that whole thing with, you know, trying to limit what Christmas is about and trying to limit the presents. Um, We're also trying to do that, too. We're trying to um, slowly, slowly uh, fix our house up, sell it and get something smaller, something less expensive that puts less uh, of a demand on us. Mm, it's got to have a studio room though it's got to have a studio yes because we never mentioned it in this show we are still broadcasting from the, live, live and time shifted from the studio
1: B1 in, in yeah. the basement in B1 <laughs> it's right it's Studio B1 we need Don Pardo to do our intro for us Studio <laughs> B1 the Fairfield Glassworks and tape dispensary yeah so we're, we're trying to do that we you know we're trying to simplify our lives and, and
0: make it so that uh, we're not trying to just keep chasing bigger paychecks
1: yeah and, and creating bigger bills mm-hmm. and and all of these things ultimately lead to more pollution mm-hmm. more waste and these i i would say are bad you don't have to agree with me but i think you know we should be well, waste polluting and pollution less. is is awful yeah yeah and that i i really really want to thank martin for putting those uh, very elegant words on his website because you should read them they're uh, they're uh, they're really nice and thanks for putting a link to our show and our on blog. blog on your blog cuz yeah you know, that's what makes Google go round. And one day, we do want to drink a, share a bottle of wine with you, perhaps yeah. in your, your homeland down there in the Southern Hemisphere.
0: Yeah. and, and Where and the
1: Coriolis goes in the other direction.
0: That's right. And and I, I really appreciate Australian wines, as I've said many times, so I'll definitely get into
1: that. Yeah. And I, I really love Australian women. So, <laughs> wait a minute. I didn't say that.
0: We need one of those rim
1: shots. I know. we I had one, but it was such an awful sample, I didn't even... It was really terrible, so I wasn't even going to bring it over because it sounded more like static. All right, what's happening this week? Anything new? Uh not a lot of exciting stuff going on in my life this week, just getting prepared mentally more than anything for my trip to South America, which is happening fairly soon, and um, I'm thinking about I have to plan, I need you know infrastructure yeah. for when I get there, food wise and things like that, since I am going to be near the equator,
0: yeah, you need to be carrying like loads and loads of food.
1: And you know, there's a variety of other things uh that I need to think about too, customs and what I can bring and what I might not be able to get through customs food-wise and stuff like that. But
0: How are you going to um disguise the the Uzi you're bringing?
1: Um not not going to bring that actually. No. How about no. the Glock? No, not gonna bring that either. <laughs> He's joking cuz we know the NSA is listening. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And you? Me? Nothing. Just yeah. chilling. I'm home alone this weekend. Oh. Yeah, which my- is really funny when I think about that picture that's on your refrigerator <laughs> right now.
0: No, I'm, I'm home alone this weekend. Uh, my family's away for the weekend, visiting other family.
1: Yep. Well, then it's a good weekend to tape. Yes,
0: without tape. So we got a tune. We have Tune Edge. Yeah, we've got this uh, interesting little band that I found. They're from Ireland. Uh, they're called Stoat. And I not Stout. It, not Stout. As stout. keeps mispronouncing. From uh,
1: Podsafe Music Network. What's this one called? Celebrate Quick. Let's check it out. fun <laughs> yeah it, I and those love harmonics songs. are ringing forever
0: yeah i love songs that are uh ironic and funny and and uh i don't know the the juxtaposition of that upbeat tempo with the grittiness of the lyrics are just uh killing me
1: yeah and that that may be the first use of the f word on our show <laughs> as well so we've go- officially gone from g or pg to at least PG thirteen, which I think you can say at once in a PG thirteen film or something. I don't know. Or are we yeah. NC seventeen now? Well, I don't
0: know. No, there's no nudity. I didn't see uh, anything about, um, you know, what the regulations are to, to say that we're explicit. I think that if we're sitting there uh, talking about our body parts, then it might get explicit.
1: Yeah. Suddenly, you're quiet again. Last week, he was like louder than ever. And now he's back because I was he, angry. He's just—he's angry. And he's just opening up windows and screaming at them, I'm not going <laughs> to take it anymore! <laughs> I'm mad as hell. <laughs>
0: Somehow that's not convincing. I'm mad as hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I am mad as hell, actually. You, We're going to revisit an issue. Yeah, just quickly, briefly. Um, Arnold is putting someone else to death. Arnold's killing somebody. The governator. Well,
1: he's actually not doing it, but... Well, he's he's got the option to
0: prevent... The execution. I and, think he does. What do they call that? A stay. It's a stay. It's a stay. Stay, sit, roll over. And uh, he chose not to. Um, I guess, I don't know if this has actually happened yet, but there is a 76-year-old uh, death row inmate in California.
1: It, I don't mean to interrupt, but it's funny, iron, it's funny, It's funny ironic that you said sit, stay, roll over, because in many ways, you know, Arnold, I'm sure, is vying for a Senate position or something because he can't be president. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, since he's just following party line, which the Republicans' party line right now would be kill people because right. that's their their wicked pro-death penalty um in many ways he is following orders of in course. a way you know sit stay roll over so there i don't know if you intended it that way but there is an irony in that no
0: a lot of times i say things from my subconscious that uh, are actually intentional but not intentional theater of the ironic yes that's right um yeah so he he's totally uh bowing to some pressures i don't think that he really wants to put anyone to death but you know he's got to do what he's got to do if he wants to be a politician in that party so yes there's a 76 year old um uh, death row inmate his name is clarence ray allen and again another person who by all accounts is not necessarily the guy you want to have as a neighbor but he's 76 years old legally blind legally deaf apparently he has to go around in a wheelchair because he can't walk on his own um prison life is not easy so i'm sure he's not exactly a spry 76 year old um and they still think that he's some sort of threat um I think that, at best, he's going to have maybe five or six more years. He's been in prison for quite a long time. I say, uh, let the guy live. Let him live out the rest of his life in prison instead of putting him to death. I mean, what are we going to be saved by having him him die? I mean, do, do we really think that he's a threat? Don't know.
1: I, I, what was his crime?
0: Um, the crime that he was put on death row for, I uh-huh. think, was essentially... Um, Calling from prison to have other people killed, essentially calling the shots, and um,
1: so he's some sort of yeah gang ganglord. type
0: something like that. I don't know what the details are, but he he wasn't in prison for uh, he wasn't on death row when he was in prison, but he was put on death row because he he called for the deaths of others.
1: Interesting,
0: yeah, a while ago. So and well, again, like I said, he, he's not a nice guy, and I think I don't, I don't think he would admit that he's a nice guy, but um, but I think death is a little bit much at this time.
1: Well, and uh, anybody who isn't aware and you probably should be since we talked about this 3 weeks ago, John and I each would oppose the death penalty in all cases. Yep. And so you're not, you know, hearing something new. It's it's you're not going to hear us suddenly start calling for the execution of anyone. Uh, no, no, <laughs> because we're just we're just opposed to it and we could certainly come up with arguments as we did on that one show. I mean this this case, this specific
0: case will will fall into every single other argument. I mean, if we come up with an argument against the death penalty, this case holds true as well. Death right. penalty is wrong because it's not a deterrent. Death penalty is wrong because, you know, actually the state calling for someone else's murder does not actually bring the people back who were killed or or does not undo the crime. It's not. It's not doing anything other than performing revenge. So um this case is no different it's not going to bring back anyone else this guy killed
1: right no my only point was that i was you know if we're against the death penalty we're not going to repeat the reasons for it every time we went we went we went at length uh three or four shows ago about it yeah and we got rave reviews for that show actually
0: (laughs) well and and here's the thing that i would always say is if you disagree with anything we say or if you've got reasons for the death penalty You know, we're not going to just shut you up and say that uh, we don't want to hear it because that's our show. Uh, But if you've got a a reasoned argument, put it out there. We'll talk about it.
1: Yeah. Visit the blog. Try us out. We dare you. Yeah. And we didn't want to spend too much time talking about that anyway since we sort of explored that at length. We dedicated basically a whole segment or a whole show to it yeah i want to revisit something and it's kind of not a revisiting because it's a a different twist on it but we talked about open source in the workplace Mm -hmm. and how things could be improved dramatically if we got rid of a lot of the models that are in place now but what i want to talk about is kind of a culture a kind of dysfunction culture in, in, in management culture yeah and i hear it and i see it all the time in jobs that i've had I hear it, and I heard it most recently on one of my uh, one of my one of the TV shows that I listed in that meme of four. Mm-hmm. Um, someone had mentioned that they were just appointed to a management position, and they had to apologize to the host of the show by saying, "You know, sometimes I have to be mean. Sometimes I have to be a jerk. I'm in management now," and I question that statement. I just question it. Why does someone think? that because they're suddenly in a position of authority to get people to to do what needs to be done, in other words, to do their job as you tell them to do it because you're a manager, mm-hmm. why do they think they have to be a jerk to do it? And I'm putting this question out to you and to anyone else that's out there because my position is you don't have to be a jerk to do it. No, if- I, I
0: agree that you don't have to be a, a jerk. And I, we talked about this before and, and I said that, you know, I could I could understand someone making that statement because they know that um, they're human, essentially, and that... In the position of management, they're going to have to make decisions that are uh, unpopular. Rich is urinating in a glass again. <laughs> so th- they're uh, they're making decisions that are unpopular, or they're going to have to make decisions that are unpopular, and and um, you know they're they're trying to be funny about it by saying, "Yeah, I'm going to have to be a jerk."
1: But I think that's the given in the proof. Ah. You know what I mean? It it goes without saying that uh, managers have bosses too. And the guy who owns the company is finally is going to send a decision down through the the management chain, and it's going to make some people unhappy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people just being jerks when they ask someone to do something. You know, they think because they have to yell at their kids or yell at their dog that they have to. You know, those things, of course, don't have to be done either necessarily. Mm-hmm. But but I, when I said a cultural thing, I think it is a cultural thing. I think we learn, and I I'm going to get a little out there, but and I, I, we learn how to be parents without even realizing it. We learned a little bit about our parenting skills by watching our parents. And, And there are times when we learn the wrong lessons, and that is a kind of dysfunction. And those are the kinds of things that are handed down in families. And I would argue that this kind of management culture that I'm talking about is that same dysfunction. You know, they, they act that way with their family, and that's the only way they know how to relate to people. So that's the way they're relating to their employees, too. Well, sure, and, and it's the same thing with parenting.
0: It's usually done on the job. It's not something that you go to parenting school, although I would argue that's probably a good idea. I think
1: it's a great idea,
0: but they do have management schools. Well, and here's the thing, though. Who goes to them? I mean, I don't know of any job that I've ever been in that anyone has ever attended management school.
1: My boss has, actually. Well, he should probably go. back. Know, good
0: for him. I mean, the, the thing is, good, really good for him because the the management thing is usually an organic growth within a, uh, a company. You become a manager because you've been good at being Something. the person under a manager, um, and they say, well, you know, we we see some some leadership skills, so we're going to promote you to manager. Doesn't necessarily mean we're going to give you any more tools to be a manager or teach you what's the best way to hone those skills. Right. So you're forced you, to yeah. rely
1: on instinct. The lessons you've learned from other managers you've had or your parents. Right.
0: And it's a vicious cycle because a lot of the managers, they also didn't go to management school. And you may be repeating things because they were managers and you figure, well, they did it and I don't have any better explanation. So yeah. it must well, be this, right.
1: This is a classic kind of dysfunction that's handed down in families and it's handed down in business environments mm-hmm. as well. And I think it is dysfunction. I think it's unhealthy because I, I mean, let's, let me put it to you this way. You know, this person that's under you as your employee, as the manager, knows what his job is. I was hired to be the widget counter. I was hired to be the widget packer or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I pack the widgets and ship them. Sharpen they know them what even. their job is. They, yeah. You know, for the most part, you just need to ask them to do it. I don't, and, and just because you may be asking them to do something that's outside of their job description, I just don't think you have to uh, ask it in a way that's impolite or that, that creates, you know, tension or just makes you sound like a jerk. I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's just my belief because... I've worked really hard at relating to people in the last three or four years. You know, I'm actually not necessarily that good at it. And I've I've been working at it. I've been attempting to make myself fit in better in, you know, group dynamics Mm -hmm. when it needs to happen and just at relating to people. And I I think I wish other people would make that effort too.
0: Yeah. And and I've got light management duties as well in, in my position. And I try to be a nice guy to people because I try to understand their position and say if I were in their shoes and I was asking them to do the things that I'm asking them to do, what would I want to hear? You know, and what would make their job easier? Because my job as a manager is not to impose more duties on someone and to make their job tougher because the, Necessarily, the
1: it might be. But. Well,
0: I might be doing that. That might be an outgrowth of what I'm doing, but you know, my job is also to figure out how to make the company better. And if stressing someone out to the point where they're going to want to quit or treating someone poorly you know, that's not helping the company.
1: That's not helping anything. No. I mean, it's ultimately, it's bad for the person doing it. They don't realize it. Right. But that's, that sort of dysfunction is toxic, and it's bad for their own spirit and bad for their own well-being and completely not in keeping with Martin's mission statement, for example. exactly. And, and it's just a bad thing you know and yeah. i i just think there should be like you pointed out earlier there should be some parenting schools i mean there should but i think people would take offense to that you know what are you telling me i'm going to be a bad parent i'm a good person you know people would take that the wrong way which is another kind of dysfunction right well but jumping having- to the wrong conclusions and being defensive you know that's a classic kind of dysfunction well that's true i mean it, no matter what
0: when when there's any kind of educational uh, institution if someone is egotistical and and cannot look at themselves and say I've got some shortcomings, they're not going to attend any school, whether it be parenting school or even widget making school. So you know, <laughs> or widget counting, or school. widget counting school. I mean, I'm I'm a parent, and I know that when I wasn't a parent, I thought, well, I've got some great ideas about parenting. But once you become a parent, you know, it's a cliche. You're not really you don't really understand it until you become a parent. Now, after being a parent for you know eight years. I wish there was a parenting school because I could go to it and I could learn some new things because sometimes I'm at my wit's end and I need to know, you know, some other techniques.
1: And by the way, uh, most of you probably know this, or a lot of you, but I am not a parent. So when I talk about parenting, <laughs> I'm not speaking from any real-world experience. But I do have nieces and nephews and, and have uh, had some interactions with them and, you know, have some small, small, small experience.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, not to... um discount what rich is saying i i think that what rich is saying is 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 absolutely right you know from an outsider's perspective parents need to to hear these things and parents need to take an outsider's perspective and and uh forget all the the day-to-day nonsense
1: and but i I think there's interesting parallels here because parenting is a kind of management Well, yeah. I think there are definite parallels to be drawn between managing people who, by the way, I work with plenty of people in their 40s who act like Mm 12-year-olds. So I think, and I'm not, I mean, I'm being dead serious. And since my promotion, I'm a kind of management where I work now, too. I'm right in the middle, actually. Middle management. Yeah, I'm I'm right in the middle. And I think there definitely are some parallels between managing people and managing children. It's all you know, it's all about relating anyway. You know, there mm-hmm. I think if you're good at one, you can possibly be good at the other. Or there at least there are tools from each you can apply to the other.
0: Yeah, I'm it's it's hard for me to make a lot of parallels. I think it would be more of a uh Maybe we should do a study. Yeah. But I I, I do know that, that being a parent, I've I've learned to be and, and again I'm I'm not saying I'm good at it yet. <laughs> I'm I'm always learning, but I've learned to be more humble than I ever was. And I've learned to accept my shortcomings and to say there are just some things that I don't know. And, and being a parent um, has done that to me more than anything else. So that's that.
1: And that's impressive because John's a pretty humble person. I've known him going on 20 years, and he's, he's pretty humble. Humble pie. Great band. <laughs> we used to listen to them in high school. But yeah, speaking of bands, we got another tune. Yep. This one's actually one of my friends. We played a uh, a track of his. I don't know, a month, six weeks, eight weeks ago. I don't even know. We've 12, just done, 13 years ago. Done too many damn shows. We've we, been going.
0: Not to to you know push back on this subject. How long have we been going? This well, is like nine months now.
1: Well, no, we did months? our first show June thirteenth. It was like thirty
0: six years we've been we've going
1: been on. The, yeah, we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: seventy six years old and I'm on death row. <laughs>
1: But we did play a piece by my friend Hans, Hans Storsberg, a couple of months ago, a little uh, short acoustic guitar instrumental piece called uh, Busy Intersection, which is a really yes. cool tune. Yes. That's one that I recorded. This one, however, is one that I didn't record. This is a song called More, and the artist is Hans Storsberg.
2: I don't need can see i'm away in the sea.
1: Thank you, Hans. Hans is a great guy. We're going to link to his website, too. I've, I've worked with him quite a bit. He's just an all-around great guy. One yeah. of those likable, just super nice guys. Yeah, and we got to get nice guys on this show. I'm thinking about... Like, not us. Well, we're not nice. No, well, I know you're not nice. I <laughs> mean, I'm looking here to my left, actually. And a lot of you may not be aware of this, but the studio we're actually in is John's art studio. And John's a very fine artist but one thing that he got into pretty recently was uh stained glass making stained glass windows and you know he did a variety of churches and chapels around the world (laughs) that's of course fiction do you remember uh
0: the uh notre dame notre dame
1: yeah that's you that was me wow that was me i didn't even know about that one
0: yeah you know i'm just like every other guy you know i put my legs or pants on one leg at a time yeah except for when my pants are on i make
1: except for when they're off church windows so I John and I occasionally exchange a few words while the songs are playing about upcoming stuff we need to talk about or something and John had mentioned that he was very proud that uh, his children have not cut themselves on the glass because he has essentially a rack of glass and these these panes of glass all have sharp edges and we can get cut on them and he was quite proud that his children if you had, chew on them yeah that's right had not had not broken the trust and came down here and gotten cut with the glass and I jokingly refer to him as an irresponsible dad for not putting a locked door on this glass thing yeah how I'm, do you answer these charges Mr. Irresponsible Dad I deny the charges <laughs> well I'm gonna take a picture <laughs> no I'm, I'm not denying that the glass is here in a rack <laughs> and he has a rack here a torture device that's right I mean,
0: yes no, I was just saying to Rich that it's it's nice to know that I can trust my children to not come down and mess with the stuff that, that they know is dangerous. They've learned that it's dangerous, that that they didn't have to uh you know slice their arms off to which i said
1: i don't think it would be a breach of trust to actually approach this glass and want to pick it up because it's curiosity kids are very curious and curiosity is a healthy thing yes it is so it could happen and we both agreed that if they get caught they're probably not going to die and then they'll learn not to do that again and those are lessons that kids have to learn
0: yeah and i also know from my childhood that no lock is going to keep a kid away (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah they're all very talented they have lock picking sets and c4 explosives no they don't
0: go for the explosives that's too loud
1: Peck saws no made... they don't carry around cakes with like saws in
0: them no they've got one of those uh lock picks actually it was funny because i saw it on i think it was make make magazine make uh someone uh made a took one of those uh electric electric flosser hummingbird flossers you know what those right. things are yeah and they turned it into a lock pick Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So you just stick the thing in the lock, turn it on, it vibrates enough so that it picks random locations and picks the lock. That's cool. My kids all have those.
1: But I I agree with John. There are some lessons that kids are just going to need to learn, like hot, what hot is. You know, you got to burn your finger once to probably learn that lesson properly, you know? And a curious kid is going to want to know what hot feels like, and I probably got burned when I was a kid touching a hot pan too, so...
0: Yeah, and Buster Poindexter is definitely hot. <laughs> <laughs> He's
1: cool. Buster Poindexter rocks. <laughs> I wanted to talk briefly about a film I saw at the what? At the MWPAI.org. Oh,
0: never-ending rant.
1: And I do know for a fact that some of our listeners did email Mr. Bob Morris, and he gave him the corporate line reply about how... We can't sell tickets for all of our events on movie night because then the lines are too long. What is this? An Aerosmith concert? Come on. The lines are too long? Well, Yeah, long. delaying the people who want to buy movie tickets who actually want to go to the movies those nights. You know, What is this? Aerosmith? Come on. You know, There's not like 800 people in line at Ticketmaster waiting to get concerts in the courts tickets delaying the moviegoers. All right. Okay.
0: So his complaint is the lines are going to be too long. So you know what you do? You open the box office a half an hour earlier. To account for that great idea and I'm duh. sure his
1: counter to that would be they have to pay somebody an extra half hour of time while they're making more ticket sales duh well, I mean yeah. there, there are there's
0: no logical argument against
1: it I, I don't think there is either and for those of you who didn't email him or forgot to the correct email address is bmortis b-m-o-r-t-i-s at m-w-p-a-i dot org and be respectful we don't want anyone That's slamming right. we don't want any trouble we just want a nice respectful email and thousands of them, if necessary, <laughs> daily to convince them that it's a good idea to sell concerts in the courts tickets on movie nights, Wednesdays and Fridays. Yes, and if you're in Arizona, let's say, and and you
0: want to, to say that somehow you would be convinced to show up somehow in Utica and buy a ticket, I'm, I'm pretty sure Rich is giving me this odd look. Like, what are you getting at? What I'm saying is, It doesn't matter where you're from. You
1: don't even need to tell them where you're from.
0: No, what I'm saying is it would would help your argument saying, look, I would come all the way from Arizona to purchase a ticket. If
1: you would do that. And if you are in Arizona and you know who you are. So I saw a movie Friday night when they wouldn't sell me a Concerts in the Courts ticket. Called Proof. We've all heard of this one, right? This is a pretty uh, major label yep. film starring Gwyneth Paltrow, Anthony Hopkins, Jake Gyllenhaal, who was also in October Sky, a film that we talked about recently. Yep. And, and more Davis. recently,
0: he's... he's Jarhead. Uh, Jarhead. And more recently, Brokeback Mountain. He's which, really talented. I like him, actually. By all accounts, Brokeback Mountain is probably one of the best films of the year.
1: Yeah, it made most critics' top ten lists. Yep. And uh, most critics were very critical of the fact that people are just referring to it as the gay cowboy film because it's so much more than that. But, of course, we need concision and bites. But anyway, Proof, 2005, directed by John Madden, starring the people that we mentioned before, is a film... A lot of people think this is a film about Anthony Hopkins' character, Robert, the brilliant but crazy mathematician who has some degenerative brain disease or some sort of mental illness. But much like... The Star Wars series was not about Luke Skywalker, but about Anakin Skywalker. This film is actually about his daughter, Mm -hmm. kind of at times as seen through Anthony Hopkins' character's eyes and with interplay between the two characters. And I'm actually not going to give away a lot about this film, but very briefly, what the film is about is... This man is a brilliant mathematician. He he did a lot of uh, mathematical research and solved a lot of problems and did a lot of groundbreaking mathematical work in his early 20s. Now he's 70s or 80s or whatever age he is, and he's has this uh, mental illness, and he can't is incapable of doing the kind of work he used to do. He has a daughter, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Her name is Catherine in the film, and she is actually a talented, aspiring mathematician as well who is in school. However, because of her father's mental illness... She has spent the last five years taking care of him. And she's also desperately afraid that she has acquired genetically or whatever the same tendency towards mental illness that he has because she's he, she sees herself changing. Hmm. Um perhaps going crazy as it were. And I don't wanna I don't wanna um use that phrase because it's so overused. But right. a lot of people generically just say crazy when they want to refer to people with mental illness. Yeah, like crackers. Yeah. Screwball. Yeah, exactly. Nutty. Exactly. Not loose. Yeah.
0: Lost their marbles. Yeah. All those things. Thank you. Not the stereotype, but You're exactly.
1: The the there is an additional character in the film played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and his name is Hal, and he is a uh, graduate student, and I believe uh, the Anthony Hopkins character, Robert, is his doctoral advisor. He's going for his PhD in mathematics, and he has spent a lot of time going through a couple of hundred notebooks. That Anthony the Anthony Hopkins character had left behind, hoping for some mathematical, uh, some delicious mathematical bites in there mm-hmm. that he can publish. Not, I don't mean steal, but that he can present to the world as this, this professor's last gift to mathematics. And what ends up happening through the course of the film is a relationship between Jake Gyllenhaal and Gwyneth Paltrow. And then there's, the, there's an additional character thrown in, played by Hope Davis. And her character's name is Claire, and that's uh, Catherine's sister, an additional daughter of the mathematicians. Right. And she's kind of a very polite control freak, and I didn't like her at all. What we find out in this journey is, in fact, that the Catherine character, the Gwyneth Paltrow character, is a brilliant mathematician. And we learned this by a revelation in the film that this amazing piece of work that's discovered was actually her work and not her father's. Oh. And I I probably gave away too much by even mentioning that. We need some dramatic music here. We do. It's drum roll or something. And Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of the character who kind of... He's in the middle, if you will, between the father and the daughter because he is smart enough to grasp the mathematics that both of them are capable of doing. And he is also sane, I guess, for lack of a better (laughs) word. And he's kind of in the middle in many ways of this. And ultimately, this is a, a journey for the Catherine character, the Gwyneth Paltrow character, to realize that she's not ill and she's not sick, despite the fact that the sort of domineering daughter, or the other daughter, Claire, played by Hope Davis, is kind of because she's a control freak she kind of wants to try to run catherine's life and ultimately this journey brings the catherine character to a place where she realizes that she actually isn't crazy and that it's time for her to start her life now because her father uh at through at one point in the film dies actually he might have died before the film even started i don't it's i don't quite remember is
0: that the way it's filmed though and is that the the the, uh structure of it where it's Um, not linear from start to finish.
1: I mean, it's not like Pulp Fiction where it really jumps around in terms of its chronology, Mm -hmm. but it's not clear to me at what point in the film the Anthony Hopkins character dies. I believe he died before the film and everything is told through flashbacks.
0: Okay.
1: I I believe so, but this is an interesting journey about uh, the Catherine character's life and it's an interesting journey of discovery. I really liked it. I, I thought it was phenomenal. I would definitely recommend it. It's one of the more uh, the bigger films you're going to see at Munson. You know, I mean, this is major. You know, this is a major label release, if you right. will. And they do tend to do more smaller films, more smaller, most smallest even. <laughs> and um, more better. Yeah, most bestest. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the bigger big Hollywood studio films that you're going to see there. But despite that, it's a it's a phenomenal piece of work, and I would definitely recommend it. And i I am not the biggest Gwyneth Paltrow fan, but I really really enjoyed this film. I thought she was uh, pretty impressive in The Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. yeah, That film grated on me a little bit, though. Some <laughs> of the characters were so out there, I just couldn't watch them. That, you know that's I mean? one of
0: my favorite films of all time. Um, probably a, a better film that I enjoy even more is... Um,
1: with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow?
0: Not with Gwyn- Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay, fine. Uh, Rushmore? Yeah, yeah. I
1: haven't seen that, that uh, but I know a lot about that Adam one. Adam
0: Schwartz and uh, Bill Murray. Great, great movie. Very quirky. Well, probably the definition of those films was quirky.
1: And um we still have homework to do that we haven't done yet. We're still <laughs> John is still trying to locate um Broken Wings through Netflix and I own it but haven't been able to watch the whole thing yet. I haven't had time to actually sit down and dedicate the kind of attention that I want to to this film, but
0: yeah, here's the deal. We're we want to have this this recurring or uh continuing series of uh assignments where we we lead into the the next show with an assignment. But unfortunately, we couldn't even get that off the ground.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, but we will though. We have yeah. we we're we're definitely going to do that. Um, our homework is still Broken Wings, and yep. once I finish watching the film, which will be this week, hopefully, I'll lend it to John, and we'll be able to continue with that. But anyway, anyway, claxons. There, I stole your word. Is that a word? Klingons? Claxons. Oh yeah. The by password the w- is. <laughs> by
0: the way, we're going to probably be doing a show. I don't know, the next couple of shows from the bridge of the Enterprise.
1: No way. Which yeah. one? Which Enterprise?
0: Oh, you pick one.
1: How about the original? They're all yeah, available. 1701. To me. Anyway, check out the blog, www.bloodyveg.com. Send feedback at, amazingly enough, feedback at bloodyveg.com. That's so cool that like they have the same ending part after the ad. It's totally coincidental. How does enough. that work? It was a coincidence. I you mean You high I... tech guys really impressed the heck out of me. Yeah.
0: We're smart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are smart. Anyway, remember, you're listening to V I B